This episode was produced in summer 2020. Since then, statistics may have changed. I don't know nothing about the coronavirus. I just know that it's contagious and it's scary. And and every day I go to work, I prepare myself, you know, <laughs> do everything that they're telling me to do to take care of myself. It's July 2020. The world is in a global pandemic from the novel coronavirus known as COVID-19. It's left more than 130,000 Americans dead. In the past few weeks, Northwest Arkansas has become a hotspot for a virus outbreak where the most affected population is the Marshallese. As of the middle of July, the pandemic has killed 60 Northwest Arkansas residents and roughly 50% of which are Marshallese. The area known as Northwest Arkansas includes the cities of Fayetteville, Bentonville, Springdale, and Rogers. Its population is just above half a million people, and there are approximately 20,000 residents from the Marshall Island who now call Northwest Arkansas home. They represent the largest population of Marshallese in mainland United States. Many Marshallese have found job opportunities at Tyson Chicken Plant, a chicken processing plant whose headquarters is in Springdale. My name is Obed Lamy. For this episode of Arkansas Atoll Podcast, I spoke with two members of the Marshallese community in Northwest Arkansas, Nathan Locon, a Tyson employee, and her daughter, Faith Locon, as the coronavirus sweeps through their community. My parents know all three of the people that died. This is the voice of Faith. We spoke via phone on 26th of May. At that time, three people in the Marshallese community had died from the virus. Yeah, they've known them. They're, they're elderly. So they've known them even before living here in Arkansas. And then we have more people in the emergency room right now that have COVID-19. Yeah, I'm talking specifically about Marshallese. My dad has diabetes and my mom has unknown sicknesses. And so, yeah, they have underlying conditions. Yeah, both of them. So far, knock on wood, they've been okay. I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I I went back to work. (laughs) I've been working for uh, 10 months now at Tyson, so I feel pretty good. Um, My name is Nason, and I am 60, well, 67 years old right now. I've got seven kids, (laughs) <laughs> my first one was adopted and then I've got three boys and three girls Nathan is Faith's mother she immigrated to the U.S. in 1975 as a nuclear refugee following the U.S. bombing of the Marshall Islands she spent the greater part of her life in Springfield, Missouri and two years ago she moved to Springdale in Arkansas more on her story in upcoming episodes and I've been here for three years now uh, in Arkansas. I work at Tyson uh, Chicken Place. Tyson Chicken is an economic powerhouse and one of the biggest job providers in Northwest Arkansas. The Marshallese workers account for 30% of Tyson's workforce in the region. Nathan works at one of their processing plants. My work schedule is from 2.30 to uh, uh, 11 o'clock, sometimes 12 o'clock. It depends on how much chicken they got it out. It's not bad. It's just cold. It's really cold. Where I work is really cold. It's a, it's a 
line attendant or I work uh, on the assembly line. Mm. I check the chicken, you know, before they go into combos and all that. So it's like uh, I am the last one uh, on the line checking the for for good chicken and bad chicken and all that stuff. <laughs> I wear a lot of uh, clothes, you know. I mean, I wear sweaters. I wear my <laughs> overcoat, you know, like a winter coat. Where I work, I have to wear all that. And then we wear smock and aprons and and gloves and all that. So I try to make myself uh, warm, you know, where I work. During the COVID-19 pandemic, meat processing plants across the United States have been a hotbed for viral outbreaks. Early in April, a number of poultry and meat companies shut down after workers tested positive and died from the virus. On 28th of April, President Trump invoked the Defense Production Act and signed an executive order to require meat processing plants to stay open to avoid a nationwide meat shortage. They told us that they couldn't stop working at Tyson because, according to them, we feed the world. Even they make a t-shirt to, for us that said, my work feed the world. <laughs> so uh, I haven't heard anything about the, uh, the sickness at our work. But they're doing everything they can to, you know, wearing masks, you know, uh, six, uh, six feet apart, you know. They, they they do a lot of things, you know, that to make it uh, work. So I haven't, wor- I haven't heard anything uh, about anybody get sick in uh, where I work. But other plants, you know, I have heard uh, there are... Three people died this week, you know, from coronavirus. Now, I don't know if from their work or from getting together with other people or what, I don't know. My work, at my work, they, they're really taking all the, you know, whatever they're telling them to do. And uh, today, my husband is at, well, my husband went back to work now. To, he's retired to, from crowds, but uh, they added their work right now. They're checking all the workers, you know, all all the employees. Uh, he went there this morning from three o'clock, and they're gonna do it all day long today. Check all the pe- people at at their plants. There are, I think, six different plants, uh, Tyson plants here in Arkansas. So um, one of them. Checking this morning or today. Yeah, and there was somebody that got sent home just a couple weeks ago from Tyson that had COVID nineteen. I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, you do not have. You're old, and you do not have to go into work. And she just, I don't know, she refuses not to. She's been there every single day. She's never missed hardly any days of work unless she was deathly ill, and so, or unless we were. But even if we were, she would, like, nurse us until it was time to go to work, and then she would go to work, come back and nurse us again. Well, because everything is so high here. I mean, everything. I mean, the the social security is not enough to cover everything. I mean, you work for 20-some-odd years and get only a few, you know, dollars. It, it, uh, 
I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you cannot, you pay the rent. You don't have no, no food, no nothing else. <laughs> I mean, everything is so expensive. So uh, I had to make the decision to go back to work uh, to help myself and my family. Nathan retired in 2011, but she was struggling to pay her $100,000 of medical bills because of her Crohn's disease. So she went back to work in Tyson out of need to cover healthcare and other costs. But she has a hard time protecting herself during the pandemic. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, you know, <laughs> you know that I'm going to be in contact with somebody sick, but uh, I'm trying to do everything that they're telling me to do, you know, like washing my hands and wearing my mask all the times and not to get, you know, you know, together with other people at the plants and all that. Try to distance uh, from anybody. And I don't know, with that many people, I don't know how you can, you know, be distant from anybody. <laughs> because, you know, it's just a lot of people working. Marshallese culture is very social, and oftentimes extended families live together in one home for both cultural and economic reasons. Marshallese people are generally very expressive and strongly connected. Another reason that puts the Marshallese community disproportionately at risk to the coronavirus is its number of people living with healthcare conditions like diabetes, obesity, and heart disease. We wanted to understand why the people from the Marshall Islands are likely to develop this disease, and we asked that question before the pandemic started to a Marshallese family physician named Dr. Sheldon Ricklin. You know, if you change a culture by destroying their islands and some of them disappearing from the face of the earth or having them move from their atoll, because we identify ourselves with our land, with our wadu, then you're basically changing the whole way of living for the Marshallese people. So the diet changed, the way of living changed for the Marshallese, and the culture basically changed. So we all became not as traditional Marshallese as we used to be. So that relates to behavioral changes, that relates to dietary changes, and all those, then you get your high levels or rates of diabetes and hypertension, salty foods and cholesterol, and all those are risk factors for heart disease and such. A study conducted by the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese found that Pacific Islanders are 4.5 times more likely to contract and die from COVID-19 
compared to other racial and ethnic groups. Access to healthcare is also a major problem to many Marshallese people who do not have insurance and are not qualified for Medicaid programs. Yeah, I don't know, but that's something that we're fighting for. The HEROES Act stands for Health, Economic, and Recovery Omnibus Emergency Solutions. It is a bill of 1,800 pages that is moving through the American legislative process. We called our senators and told them to vote for it. They just it passed the House, and then they went to um, they went to vote on it um, at the Senate. Then they decided to to hold off on it. It's meant to supplement a previous stimulus package called CARES Act, meaning the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security. Basically, the EUS Act would provide for a second stimulus check to Americans. For the Marshallese and other compact or free association populations, it would also restore the access to healthcare through the expansion of Medicaid. It would provide services, I mean, uh, money, resources for for our folks that are either underinsured or not insured and don't qualify for any of the um, government assistance because we don't qualify for anything. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought to light the vulnerability of the Marshallese community, which already displayed some of the worst health indicators in the region. But there are many layers of impact that affect the ability of Marshallese people to fully control their health and access to healthcare in the U.S. Stay tuned for the rest of the Arkansas Atoll podcast, where we will dive into the history of the United States' relationship with the Marshall Islanders, what brought the Marshallese to Arkansas, and the effects of climate change on the islands. I thank you for the time, but I got to go to work. I got to get ready to go to work. Arkansas Atoll is a production of the Arkansas Story Vault Project at the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History, Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Arkansas. Shane White, Neba Evans, Obed Lamy, Octavia Roll, and Sam Weitzel are the student producers for this podcast series. Sarah K. Moore and Colleen Thurston are the staff and faculty advisors to the project with the guidance of Dr. William Schwab. Funding for this Arkansas Story Vault project was provided by a generous donation from the Walton Family Foundation. Our sincerest gratitude is extended to the Marshallese community of Northwest Arkansas for sharing their stories with us. For ways to support them during the COVID-19 crisis, visit impactnwa.org. That's impactnwa.org. The theme song used for this podcast series, and so that I don't butcher the correct pronunciation, in Mr. Teban's own words, is titled, We'd like to extend our many thanks to Mr. Jorlick Teban and producer Scott Steg for their musical contribution. Sabo, the